Section eight of Fairy Tales from Gold Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Fairy Tales from Gold Lands by May Wentworth. Crimson Tuft Part Two. He had never ventured to speak to the signora but once, on the subject, in years, and then her fury was so unbounded that he feared she would tear him in pieces with her long bony fingers, which, when she was enraged, possessed the power of a vice. For a week after, she fed him on bread and water, and kept him confined in a dark room with two heavy tasks to allow him to question the mysterious past, or speculate on the uncertain future always a foolish dreamer she said i will teach you something you the brown-skinned crimson tuft yet it was all no use the boy had his thoughts that could not be chained he was determined to escape i will not excite suspicion i will strive to please and the time will come yes the time will come when i shall know all thus in striving to lull the suspicions of the argus-eyed woman to sleep he grew into great favour and became indispensable to her he can do so many things that no one else can do she would say to herself but those great luminous eyes torment me if they too could be changed but that is beyond my power would i could make them dull leaden and red as his flaming crimson tuft he is useful, very useful, but there are times, with all his quiet seeming, when I think he suspects me. Dare I trust him? That is the question. Here the old woman would fall into long fits of musing, and gaze into the glowing embers, till they faded into dead ashes. One morning the old woman called Crimson Tuft to her, saying, I am going away, to be gone for some days and I want you to copy these papers for me. They are the deeds and other valuable papers of my property in Mexico, which you will see is very great. Let the copies be made with great distinctness, for these duplicates may be required. You see, I am cautious, and trust you very much, very much. A look of suspicion crossed her sharp, wizened face but in the ugly brown countenance she could detect nothing but truth and sincerity. I can do no better, she thought, but aloud she added, The dwarf knows all, and will see to the safety of these and everything. If one of them is lost, it would bring no end of trouble, and you would have your share. With an ominous shake of the head, the old signora rose and left Crimson Tuft bending over the yellowed parchment, that was of the most inestimable value to her. About noon she left the house, with the dwarf following her to the gate, which, when she had passed, he barred more securely than ever. For some days Crimson Tuft worked diligently over the papers. There were deeds of haciendas and mines, mortgages and grants of land, and many long intricate pages of law papers. Really, to copy all these was a task, and Crimson Tuft was filled with amazement at the greatness of the old signora's possessions. At last they were all finished, and locked up by the dwarf in the iron-bound oaken chest, 
and that again was locked in the great closet, and the dwarf carried the key, so it was very secure. Still the old signora did not return. Now the time has come, thought Crimson Tuft. I must escape. But that was easier planned than done. Everywhere the dwarf followed him, and when Crimson Tuft grew angry, he laid his heavy hand upon his arm, saying, From the first I have loved you, boy. Believe me, it will all be well. Only wait a little longer. Then Crimson Tuft took his hard, honest hand, saying, You alone have loved me, and for your sake I will wait, but not long. I cannot. Do not ask it. One evening, about a week after this, the bell rang, and the signora entered, followed by a most beautiful little maiden about twelve years of age. She was dressed in mourning, with a black shawl about her head. Her long glossy hair hung carelessly over her graceful shoulders. Her complexion was a clear olive, and her skin soft and smooth as satin, while her large dark eyes had a depth as of the mystic sea, and a pure clear look as of heaven. They were more beautiful than anything Crimson Tuft had ever seen, and somehow they startled him. It was not like the old vision, yet it touched him more deeply. This was of the present, that of the past. This is my only granddaughter, said the old woman to the dwarf and Crimson Tuft. Both bowed very low to the pretty senorita. They were such a queer-looking pair that she clapped her dainty little hands together laughing in a pure ringing tone, clear as the notes of a silver bell. Poor Crimson Tuft was very much confused, for to him the young Donna Leota was the first dream of beauty that had kindled the dawning fire of manhood in his heart, and he was ready to bow down and kiss her footprints in the sand. Strange to say, the little Leota swayed the grandmother as absolutely as she had ruled the dwarf and Crimson Tuft, but in one respect the old woman was resolute. The heavy gate was locked as securely upon Leota as upon the other inmates of the mansion, and no persuasion could induce her to change in this regard. Leota was very passionately fond of music, and played the harp very sweetly. Once, in the still hours of night, she was awakened by the notes of her own harp vibrating in the most exquisite harmony. She was filled with delight, though she trembled with fear, for she was quite sure there was no one in the house who knew anything of music but herself, yet the chords were swept as by a master's hand. She lay motionless until the last note died away, and it was long before she fell asleep, for the spell of the rich melodies still floated through the air around her. In the morning she spoke of it, but no one could explain the mystery. Again and again, in the silent hours, came the rich melody, not old familiar airs, but the exquisite improvisations of genius. One night, when the golden moon was casting its soft amber light over land and sea, and the enchanted harp sending forth its entrancing strains, Leota rose softly from her couch, and summoning all her courage, determined herself to solve the mystery. She glided quietly along the passageway to the large glass door of the parlour, and there she saw Crimson Tuft bending fondly over the harp, and calling out the bewildering melody that she had thought could be born only of mystical enchantment. 
the imagination of the young girl was so vivid that she was easily prepared for things supernatural but to see poor brown crimson tuft the great magician he the slave with whom she thought only to laugh at this was stranger than all the soft moonlight fell full upon his face and his large luminous eyes were dewy with the spirit of the rich melody with the rare beauty that was all their own they almost redeemed the brown skin and flaming hair from positive ugliness leota stood entranced till the last note died out of the thrilled chords of the trembling harp then as she turned to go the rustling of her robe caused crimson tuft to raise his eyes and they fell full upon her face to him at least the most beautiful face in the world he was covered with deep confusion over his redeeming eyes fell the heavy red lashes and the ugly brows contracted she his rare divinity had seen him play and heard how the notes flowed from his own heart through the sympathizing harp-strings that thrilled with his devotion to her which would last all his life long leota was greatly bewildered and as she stole away to her own room strange thoughts changed themselves through her mind not one word had been spoken but everything had changed crimson tuft was no longer only the ugly servant of her grandmother but he was crimson tuft of the mystery there was something interesting in that besides shut up in those high walls with only the old grandmother for company and little amusement one must think a great deal so leota had her thoughts crimson tuft had wonderful eyes she had found that out and it was a great deal there in that dull place she wished to be in mexico again where the most beautiful flowers bloom and the delicious fruit grows ripe on the broad-leafed trees yet she did not like to think she would never see the beautiful eyes again but one must not think too much of a servant she would say to herself she was of good blood and that would not do yet one must treat inferiors kindly really it was difficult to tell what one must do so all in a maze she fell asleep and dreamed of the most radiant eyes which were crimson tufts and the handsomest face but surely was not crimson tufts the morning dawned clear and bright as crimson tuft arose and began the duties of the day though he was advanced to the post of private secretary the old signora had left him some tasks in the early part of the day that would prevent him from forgetting his position as a servant first he swept and dusted the parlour and halls this had always been his work and no one else could please the signora so well as he dusted the signorita's harp a flash of indignation filled his heart he was only a servant the ugly crimson tuft and she the most beautiful maiden the divinity of his soul there was a great difference yet he felt himself a man and he would conquer fate in the end even with his ugly crimson tuft this was what he thought when leota appeared she said nothing of her discovery but when she spoke to him it was in a different tone from formerly the mystery of the enchanted harp was over but the greater mystery had begun the wonderful eyes acted as a talisman upon her heart and though she strove against it she found herself forgetting crimson tuft's position 
his ugly brown skin and red hair. One glance of his beaming eyes would set her warm blood dancing through her veins till her neck and brow were a soft rose tint, and this was in no way pleasant to the proud little maiden. The next night Crimson Tuft did not touch the harp, and in the morning the Donna Leota passed him at his work with a haughty toss of her dainty head, but with a quiver in her voice she said, Crimson Tuft, play when you like, the music pleases me. After that, Crimson Tuft would always play at twilight, and even the old grandmother was touched by the magical spell of his genius. Every year the old woman grew more infirm, till she could not even walk from room to room without leaning upon her staff. At times her temper was terrible, and nothing but the soft touch of Leota's hand could calm her. She loved with all her strong heart nature the young maiden who daily was growing to womanhood crowned with surpassing beauty. She was getting very old. With an iron will she resisted the pitiless hand of time, but she could not stay it. Her long hands became more bony and angular, her eyes more red and bleared, and her voice more cracked and shrill. Yet she seemed to be looking forward to a long life and was more hard and grasping than ever. It was only Leota that she loved more than gold. One night Crimson Tuft had a curious dream. He thought, as he lay half-sleeping and half-waking, dreaming delightful but impossible things, that the old woman came in softly and poured something upon his head, and that when he started she held a sponge to his nose, until he sank back powerless. He seemed to inhale something sweet and fragrant. It was very pleasant and soothing. That was all he could remember. In the morning he felt heavy and drowsy, his head ached, but he roused himself, rose and dressed as usual. When he looked in the glass he saw that his hair was redder and his skin a deeper brown than ever. Memories and a strange suspicion flashed over his mind. Far back in the years he remembered dimly a little boy named Paul, a fair child, whom he had been taught to believe a dream. There was a mystery. Could she have changed Paul to Crimson Tuft in a night? After this, Crimson Tuft became more thoughtful than ever. There was a mystery to solve, and he would devote all his energies to it. He was eighteen years old, a very intelligent young man, but entirely unacquainted with the world. He had yet much to learn. One day the old woman called him to her, and looked in her curious way at him for a long time. Crimson Tuft, she said, you are my servant, but I have given you great advantages, so that you are as well educated as many a rich man's son. But that is not all. I wish to make your fortune. Then the old woman fell into a deep study, and Crimson Tuft stood waiting and wondering what would come next. At length you grew tired. Signora, he said, you wanted to speak with me. She gave a sudden start as he spoke. Oh, yes, she replied, but I had forgotten you. You are my servant, and have been so always. Always? asked Crimson Tuft. A dark frown passed over the old woman's face, and Crimson Tuft regretted his folly. He was very anxious to hear what she had to say to him. There might be some hope of relief. But again she was silent, 
and worse than all she seemed displeased the donna leota passed the open window singing lightly a pretty spanish air and the shadows began to clear away from the clouded brow excuse me signora said crimson tuft softly if in some way i can serve you i shall be only too happy he too had heard the soothing song crimson tuft she replied i am not now so strong as i was twenty good years ago and i want someone near me whom i can trust for i have affairs that must be attended to now someone who will not cheat me out of my gold i have looked carefully about and can see no one but you you whom i have trained educated and cared for so many years the world is so ungrateful and wicked even you who owe everything to me might rob me me an old woman it would be a wicked thing a great crime the red eager eyes of the old woman were fastened upon the face of the young man and with all her shrewdness she tried to read him her pinched features grew sharper and her voice shrill as a whistling wind she grasped her staff and hobbled across the room several times in an excited manner you are such a curious ugly fellow what have you to hope for in the world save from me but if you are faithful i will advance you but i can as easily punish as reward the red blood flushed even the brown cheek of the boy for he was painfully conscious of his extreme ugliness and he thought sadly of the donna leota listen boy continued the old woman there is a great world beyond these walls can i trust you to go away over the waters with me remember all i promise you and be faithful she looked steadfastly into the luminous eyes of crimson tuft that dilated with pleasurable exultation she was evidently satisfied with the truth and sincerity she saw beaming there for she proceeded i must go again to mexico but not alone the donna leota will accompany me for in the years to come i cannot be separated from her and you must go as i shall need you i am very rich and must trust you with a great secret but i have studied you well signora said crimson tuft eagerly i will be true to you you shall never regret swear it she said fiercely so the young boy knelt and pressed the good book to his lips repeating after her a most solemn oath to serve her faithfully and keep sacred the great secret which was to be revealed to leota only in case of the grandmother's death now she said i am weary to-morrow i will tell you all and she leaned back in the armchair and shaded her eyes with her fan crimson tuft went out with his heart beating wild in a tumult of conflicting emotions on the morrow again she called him to the library and locked the door i have made my will she said and you are handsomely provided for in consideration of your proving faithful to the trust i repose in you besides this while i live you shall never want for gold is it all fully understood then crimson tuft said it is understood signora fully 
and she took from her desk a carefully sealed paper which she wrapped in sheepskin and again sealing it gave it to the boy this paper she said describes the exact spot where a great treasure is hidden upon my hacienda near the city of mexico there is no chance of your gaining this for yourself for there are two other persons living who have similar papers indeed precautions that i shall not tell you of have been taken so that it must fall to the donna leota at last for she is the only true heiress you see i am cautious very cautious she added the old look of suspicion rising in her face from this day crimson tuft was her chief adviser he and the dwarf made all preparations for the journey in about a week all was ready and they went to san francisco in a carriage which drove immediately down to the steamer and they were soon comfortably settled on board now said crimson tuft there is still time and i can walk about the city for half an hour but the signora grew excited and exclaimed no no you might get lost remember you are a stranger and the donna leota said softly surely you will not go away so the dwarf performed all the commissions and for an hour the signora was absent but before leaving she had said to crimson tuft i leave the donna leota in your care at length the ship sailed then came the long sluggish dreamy days at sea crimson tuft and leota were often together upon the deck for the old signora would not allow her there alone what golden days they were to the poor crimson tuft more and more he was growing to love the pretty young signorita and she could not resist the powerful spell of his luminous eyes one night she rushed wildly through the saloon to his stateroom the grandmother had been taken suddenly very ill and must see crimson tuft she breathed with great difficulty and her words came low and broken if i live to reach mexico you will not need this paper but i am old she added bitterly and the old must die with great pain she went on if i should not live to reach the hacienda you will see the child has her own dig up the treasure yourself and do not defraud her of one single gold piece or the curse of a dying woman will follow you even from the darkness of the grave then again crimson tuft promised and taking the paper left her alone with the child as she still fondly called the donna leota this attack passed away but another soon followed and again crimson tuft was summoned to her side her glazed eye brightened as she saw him remember was all she could say and again he made the solemn promise it was the third and last time with the old signora all was now over leota trembled with fear and wept bitterly the grandmother had loved her and now there was no one left only crimson tuft who sat by her side all through the silent hours the next evening at sunset the old signora was buried in the sea no one wept but the beautiful young maiden as the steamer went on leaving in its wake the cold lifeless body wrapped in a shroud of sparkling waters at length the good ship arrived safely in mexico and crimson tuft took 
the proud young heiress to the hacienda where a crowd of friends and retainers awaited her the will was opened and there was a large legacy left to crimson tuft but it was as nothing to him with so much ugliness what had he to hope for in the last paper the signora had handed him there was a still fuller description of the spot where the treasure was hidden and a knight appointed for him to seek it it was the eighteenth birthday of the donna leota till then she was to be placed in a convent and crimson tuft was to have the best tutors in the city of mexico this would make a man of him so the young people were separated for a time but the two years soon rolled by and crimson tuft returned to the hacienda with his papers what a change there was in him his brown dark face had grown every day more fair and his stiff red hair more soft and silky and of a rich brown colour it was really wonderful the young man was transformed day by day from the ugly crimson tuft to the handsome pole the donna leota had become the beautiful woman that her childhood promised and when she met paul after the two years of separation she felt that the great mystery was solved and knew that she could never love anyone else so they were betrothed and she was to be made his wife on her eighteenth birthday at the appointed time paul sought and found the great treasure that had been hidden for so long there were immense iron pots full of shining gold pieces had been hidden during one of the many mexican revolutions thus it was found that the donna leota was the richest maiden in all mexico and she had many suitors among the wealthy spanish hidalgos but she cared only for paul for the spell of the wonderful eyes which had been crimson tufts was upon her at last the joyous wedding day came and every one said what a tall handsome signor is the bridegroom and how very lovely the bride the sun shines upon them and it will be a happy marriage soon after they went to san francisco and paul felt the old dream returning one day as he walked through the market-place he came to a vegetable stand behind it sat a sorrowful woman with a sad mild face that woke the sleeping memories of his heart mother he exclaimed with a thrill of tenderness in his voice that raised the bowed head of the lonely one she gave one look into the eyes that once seen could never be forgotten and cried paul my son my son and opening her arms received upon her bosom the head of her long-lost treasure how she wept and smiled and pressed him to her heart then held him off that she might gaze upon the dear handsome face then they went home to the father who was old and sick he had lost strength and heart years ago and they were very poor he has never held up his head so the mother said since our boy was taken from us but that was all over the lost was found poverty sorrow and sickness fled with his presence he took the old father and mother home to leota who received him into her own heart for were they not his parents and hers at first the old vegetable woman stood a little in awe of her high-born daughter but that soon melted away in the warmth of her dainty little signora's affection and the father mother son and daughter lived all their lives together a happy family united in heart and mind by the silken bonds of a true earnest affection
End of section eight. Recording by phone.